Evening. Welcome to the Dharma and Recovery Group. I'm Kevin Griffin, and uh, I, we will do some meditation. Um, kind of like to uh, start a little bit late, just because so, I know it's hard for people to get out here, especially if they're coming from any distance on Friday evening. But um, maybe. Uh, the the last thing, the music I was playing last was Gary Mazinski, Into the Mystery, and he, he plays here, I guess, with Jack on Monday nights sometimes, right? He plays this really weird instrument. I'm not sure if he invented it. it looks like a flying saucer. Looks like a flying saucer, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Yeah, I, we had lunch recently. Hung, it's called a hung, H-A-N-G. Uh, but really, I, I don't usually like like new agey music, but what he does is really, really good. Um, and uh, what else? Do, well, let me just mention a couple of things that are coming up, and I'll probably mention these again later. But um, a couple of retreats that I'm teaching. Um, I'm teaching in, in Sedona, Arizona in just a couple of weeks, the 27th to the 29th, uh, with a friend of mine who's a Qigong teacher who's also in recovery, and he's actually publishing a book on um, Qigong and 12 Steps. And so we're going to do this kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, combined retreat out there. And I've never been to Sedona, but people keep ranting or raving or something about it. Uh, so it should be interesting. Um, you know, if you're into taking a little flight and uh, having an interesting weekend. Um, more significantly to me, more importantly to me, is the retreat I'll be teaching later in October with Heather Sundberg, who uh, is a spirit rock teacher. And as far as I know, she, she, you know, she might... Not sure she's the only spirit rock teacher in recovery, but one of the few. And um, she and I have been teaching this retreat down at Vajrapani Institute. This will be our tenth year, so it was really the first place that uh, I taught Buddhism in the Twelve Steps. And uh, we start. It's a Wednesday night to a Sunday noon retreat, and it's kind of a uh, a blending of intensive meditation practice with some twelve step work. Um, well, but a lot of time with meditation. So if you're interested in kind of ex- deepening your practice, your meditation practice uh, in an environment like that, uh, in the context of your recovery, it's a great place to do that. The, re- the retreats are uh, really rich. Uh, there's a few people here tonight who have been to multiple ones. And uh, you know how addicts are. You know, once they come once, they, so they're coming back, you know. Um, and what we do is we we kind of we do silence from the all morning, and then in the mid afternoon we have a about an hour and a half of workshop uh, time, uh, which is still very structured. So we don't people aren't sort of uh, in conversation as much as kind of a, a mindful dialogue. And in the evening after the Dharma talk, we also then have a meeting or just a circle where people can share. So it's a nice balance. Um, 
I find that just silent meditation day after day can, um, it's, it's valuable and very, very useful to do, but it also can be, especially when you're just starting to practice, it can be a little uh, intense and even oppressive in a way. So it's nice to have some ways to kind of connect or and to release some of the build-up uh, intensity of the silence uh, without kind of dispelling it into just hanging out or chatting. So uh, if you're interested in, in going further with your practice, I recommend that retreat. And, and Katie is actually printing out some flyers right now because, of course, I forgot to bring flyers. Why don't you? Well, okay, why don't I? Okay. <laughs> um, so Vajrapani, where that retreat is that Kevin's talking about, is just a the piece of land is located about five miles back of dirt road, sort of up in the middle of nowhere in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And if you haven't been to a place like that, which you haven't unless you've been there, it's very unique. It's off the grid. They run it on solar power and generators. And so the lighting is very low. So when you're on retreat, you know, this would be kind of jarring, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just a very relaxed, slowed-down place to be. The food is very healthy and good. It's organic, just super healthy. All your meals are prepared and served to you, and it's just a quite a really pleasant place to be taken care of, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got to be there to watch Kevin. That's you right. Know? He's my minder. <laughs> <laughs> it's also... Uh, a beautiful place naturally because it's at the where the redwoods meet the oaks and madrone. Very nice hiking trails Mm. rather than go up into Castle Rock State Park. And if you go high enough you can see the whole Monterey Bay and We try not we try to encourage people not to get high while they're on the retreat. (laughs) That's an awful long hike. That is it takes longer than you'd have to skip a meditation to do that. Yeah. There's a nice peace walk How would you know about that hike? (laughs) Because I went on my own personal retreat Uh, in one of the cabins. Very good. Yeah, and and actually, the retreat center has has given some free nights for people to have uh, solo retreats. They have these cabins where you can go and just have your own retreat. And in the last couple of years, they've given them out to all the retreatants in our... I don't know if that'll happen again. It's unknown. So, all right. Well, nice to have some testimonials. Thanks, you guys. All right. So let's uh, have our own sitting now that we are here and not there. If at the end of the sitting you start to hear a guitar, it's, that's part of the meditation instruction, so you don't have to stop meditating. I don't know if that's going to happen, actually, but it might. You know, just settling into your posture, trying to and bring a sense of balance and alignment with your body, with your spine.
feeling the energy of your body, whether you're anxious or relaxed, tired or alert. And just acknowledging that. Our bodies go through so much in it just in a day. And often we just ignore and push through whatever we're feeling. Or we try to correct it if we don't like it. So we're here to just be with things as they are. Not try to fix anything, really. So you might take some deeper breaths and release them and release any tension in the body. Oftentimes we might communicate that meditation is about thoughts or just being with the breath and letting go of thoughts. For me, I think just having awareness of your body and all that appears in the body is probably more useful than trying to watch all your thoughts. Our emotional lives appear to a great extent in our bodies. The Buddha taught mindfulness of the body as the first and key element of mindfulness meditation. And certainly paying attention to the breath is an aspect of that. But it can be helpful to maintain something of a broader awareness along with the awareness of breath. A little bit more of a general body awareness. feeling energies and sensations and the moods that appear in the body. We can let the breath be in the foreground. And that broader awareness in the background. 
so that there's a sense of spaciousness in the mind. And if at a certain point the thoughts and words in the mind capture your attention and you find yourself lost in that realm, just acknowledging that and coming back. In that moment of returning to the body, to the breath, as the thought falls away, notice if any tension or other sensation has been triggered by the thinking. Certain thoughts seem to actually release certain chemicals in the body. And we can see, feel them coursing through the bloodstream. Perhaps the heartbeat goes faster or some feeling of heaviness or tension, depending on the thought. And in that moment, we can see clearly the connection between mind and body, the connection between thoughts and sensations. And we can see how stress and many other emotions arise out of thought and worry. And even after we let the thought go, some residue of sensation may continue in the body. It's important at that moment to stay with that residue. Otherwise, it can wind up triggering more thought. So to just be with the sensations that are created by thinking. There's a kind of feedback loop that can start to run between body and mind, between thoughts and feelings. In most cases, trying to break that loop by letting go of thoughts isn't so effective because the feelings tend to be more persistent, tend to have a 
longer half-life. So maybe staying with the sensations in the body a little longer, breathing into them, maybe taking a deeper breath that gives a kind of space for the sensation or the emotion, the energy, however you characterize that experience.
and keep coming back to the sensations of breath. As we sit, sometimes the mind becomes more settled, other times it becomes more agitated. We're not really in control. We can make a gentle effort, but the results of that effort are not really ours to determine. One way to begin to stabilize the mind is to start to pay closer attention to the sensations of breath. Paying more attention to the details of each breath. Really coming in close, becoming intimate with each inhalation and exhalation. This engagement will both focus the mind and energize the body as that curiosity and investigation naturally wakes us up.
All right, well, um, I'd like to open it up for any questions about practice. Uh, I'd just like to give people the opportunity to, uh, if they have questions about meditation, um, your own practice, anything you're struggling with or just are not sure you understand. If you've gotten meditation instruction from other teachers, uh, it's probably a little different from what I just did. Um, for what it's worth, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. So, any questions? A question of a physical nature. It's when I breathe deeply, I find that I'm bringing in the breath energy, and I, when I concentrate on that, whenever I get a bump up into my chest or throat, I get a lump in my throat. It almost gags me sometimes. Mm. Is that normal, or should I see a specialist? <laughs> well, I am a specialist, so... <laughs> You've come to the right place. And uh, I'm not sure that normal and abnormal applies too well to meditation. If it happens to you, it's normal. So, tell me again how that, how that happens. When I focus on my breath, an energy coming in. And where are you focusing on your breath? First belly and then solar plexus, okay. chest. Usually, by the time I get to the solar plexus, I feel like a, a large lump in my throat. And so you're saying that as you breathe, you're kind of paying attention to the whole movement from the <laughs> abdomen up, up, kind of like, yeah. kind of following it as it fills up. Yeah. Are you intentionally breathing deeply? Just paying attention to it. Uh-huh. Paying attention to it brings a lot of energy into me. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is one of the principles, also of physics, that w- when you pay attention to something, it changes. Uh, it's certainly true in meditation. Well, you know, I ha- my response, what comes up is, is maybe not. Um, well, I, I won't try to characterize it, but the first thing that comes up for me is uh, when we talk about the different uh, kind of energetic areas of the body as chakras. Are you familiar with that concept? So there's the chakras that are, you know, the lower chakras and the sex organs and then the in the belly and the solar plexus, the heart center, and then there's the throat. And then there's the third eye and the crown. I don't know a lot about that stuff, but sometimes uh, when there is some sort of sense of blockage at a certain part of the body, it's kind of related to that. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, except that um, the throat chakra is associated with speaking. 
And uh, so, I mean, this is, this is not, not my typical answer. So uh, that's, you know, one way of viewing it, that, that there's some kind of uh, psychic block for you about expressing yourself. That's my, you know, psychic therapy uh, explanation. Uh, but let's see if we can get somewhere else so we don't uh, wind up with that as the whole. Now, in the principle of mindfulness is that we pay attention to whatever is most obvious. So the starting point with something like this is to really try to just feel the experience. You know, feel the sense of blockage or tightness there. And then see if gently you can release that. So just rather than following your breath all the way up, just start, just pay attention here. Just feel your breath here and feel where it closes. And, and as that happens, try to just kind of release. You know, however that happens with your shoulders or with your jaw, you know, see what, see what will allow that to release. But, you know, what the first thing we need to do with any challenge, especially in meditation practice, is try to get to a place of acceptance or kind of neutrality with it. So there isn't kind of a, a, an aversion or a concern about it, where the, the thoughts aren't kind of get, coming in and making a judgment about it, but just kind of what is it? Let me feel it very clearly and then see if you can soften around it. All right? Yeah. And uh, I'd love, to, love it if you'd report back to me, you know, next time I see you, see if that works. Two meditations in the morning, report back. Yes, that's right, yes. Um, yeah. And you'll probably have to remind me that I, what I told you to do, <laughs> but that's okay, as long as you remember. Thanks. Other questions? Well, I might just talk a little bit more about practice. I um. I gave a workshop at the Santa Rosa Kaiser uh, Center, and it wasn't the hospital, but it was for all these therapists and counselors a couple days ago, and um, I found myself really emphasizing kind of what I started this guided meditation with, which was paying attention to the body and pointing out that there's this sort of I think the way we often talk about meditation is pay attention to the breath and when your mind wanders, when you have a thought, let go of the thought and come back to the breath. And that's not really the way I meditate most of the time. And I don't think it's actually that helpful. I think that kind of makes for a, a kind of disconnect that, that I really think that as much as possible kind of being in your body however you can experience that, and of feeling the whole body, particularly feeling emotions and moods in the body, kind of just being present for the whole sort of energetic state, 
that, I think, holds us much more in the present moment than just trying to pay attention to the breath and let go of thoughts. And as I was saying in the guided meditation, very often what's feeding the thoughts, what's, I guess, you know, those of you who have been around me have heard me say this stuff many times, but I guess I shouldn't apologize. Uh, what's really feeding the thoughts and, and keeping them going isn't the thing we're thinking about, but the emotional reaction to them or the emotion that, that might be kind of interacting with the thoughts. And, and that emotion can be felt in the body and getting to really uh, become familiar with what those emotions and feelings and moods feel like in the body is, I think, one of the most valuable things we can do with our practice. Um, the thoughts kind of can fall away very quickly, but the emotions tend to stay a little bit more lodged in the body and they take a little longer to dispel. So sometimes you'll let go of a thought, but then because there's this kind of energy in the body, it'll kind of churn up the next thing to worry about or to obsess about. And it'll feel like there's sort of some uh, need or you're kind of compelled to keep thinking. Like there's this kind of energy that's like pushing you on, sometimes an anxiety. And, and so to actually breathe into that energy, breathe into the anxiety, just see if you can soften the belly and, and let that energy kind of burn off. And this oftentimes will quiet the mind more than just noticing thoughts and, and coming back to the breath. Um, so that's my tip for this evening. Yes? Um, I've been, I took your class a number of months ago, and at the time I wasn't doing a sitting practice. I've done it in the past, uh, uh, but I recently, probably about three weeks ago, started sitting again, and it was with a particular intention. It was really to do what you're describing, because what I experience, if I, if I really step back and look at all of it, is that those kinds of emotional experiences or body-based experiences that may come out in thoughts are precisely the kind of unexamined places that have been at the heart of addiction. Yes and have been at the heart of distraction and dissociation in my life, and addiction is just another form of distraction and dissociation. So it feels to me like what you're doing, particularly in this context, is pointing us to something that as addicts is very important to us. Yeah. The suggestion is that when we stop using, that's the time when these things begin to come up, and mm -hmm. it's time to explore them and examine them. Yeah. And we certainly can do that in the context of step work. The steps will help us to, mm -hmm. to guide, guide us through that process, but the meditation practice can just go right to the heart of it. Yeah. So, Thank you, well that's the reason, And yeah. that's the reason I came today. It was sort of yeah. like, okay, mm. I want more of this. I yeah. think I need more of this. Yeah. So. Thank you. That's really well put, and I really appreciate that. And you're expressing a real understanding of what I'm talking about. It, and and I think you're also making a really important connection, which was, in my mind, as I was saying that sense of the compulsion to think. Is very much like the compulsion to drink. Mm 
it doesn't feel like there's really any way out of that craving. You know, it's like, yeah, but no, I, I need to, what's happening on Facebook now? You know, it's like something, you know, something. And, and it's one of those, it's an energy or it's, a, you know, whatever it, it, it is. It's not, what it's telling us isn't true. And we have to learn to not act on it. In the same way we have to learn to not act on drinking, we have to learn to not act on thinking. And I'm not saying, oh, you, all you have to do is you do that and then you won't, you'll be able to turn off your thoughts. But and it's not about turning off thoughts. It's really about reorienting the attention. When the thoughts can still be going on, but if the attention comes into the body in the, as primarily, the thoughts can still be going, but if the attention is more in the body, you'll tend to settle. You'll tend to get grounded and relax, and you just keep working there, and the 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 mind will follow. There was a teacher that I I worked with quite some years ago. He had a line. He said, "Old friends come to visit," mm. and it's been that's been very useful for me yeah. because old friends do come to visit in yeah. all sorts of different forms. The only question is whether I want to invite them into play. Yeah. 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 Thanks. It's nice. Yeah. So, um, so I, <laughs> I'm just having a, a aha here, but I, I'm, I, tell me if this is Clarify. true sure. or can be. Is can our bodies feel an emotion and then we attach? a thought to it to make, so that it makes sense or so that mm-hmm. we can deal with it or so oh, that, yeah. I mean, is that what we're saying or can that be? Or? That can absolutely be. And I described that exact thing in One Breath at a Time. Have you read that book? Maybe that's what <laughs> No, no, it's not. I I, I, yeah. yeah, well, there's a part, there's a, in step six, I have three sections called Feeling Feelings. And because as I was writing it, you know, I started by like, okay, I want to talk about feeling feelings. And then I was like, oh, there's something else. And then I was like, oh, there's one other thing. And the one other thing, the last thing was this, this aha that I had on a retreat in, I think, 1996, where I would often wake up early in the morning on a retreat and I would have this feeling of anxiety and I would, wouldn't know what to do with it. And I wouldn't want to get up and try to sit with it. And it was like too early for breakfast, and, you know, and... So I just really tried to like, okay, be with this, be with it. And after like the third day, I started to see that it was really just a sensation that I was calling fear and that I was afraid of it. I was afraid of the fear. <laughs> but it was very much like, like so in, in Buddhism, the, the Buddha breaks down our experience into five components of, or the things that he says create the sense of self. There's body, and then there's feeling, which is the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral quality of, a, of an experience. So this experience was unpleasant that was coming through my body. And then the third piece, perception, is what we name things. And that's based on memory and you know culture and all that training. So we start to name things, and when, they, when we name them, 
they become reified, right? Then they become more real because it has a name now. And then it starts to become, um, uh, there's a me- now you have a memory, I've had that feeling before, and it is this, and then we attach meaning to that. So I'm having fear, oh, it's probably because of like the way my parents put me in the closet when I was four, you know, and, and it becomes the story, and then, you know, and then it becomes this thing we're carrying around with us, oh, I got this thing, you know, I'm carrying around. And when we can just go back and go, what is it energetically? What is it physically? What is it on a sense level, on a visceral level? Just this. You know, it's just this. And yeah, maybe it does have, maybe it was caused from this, and maybe it's, you know, I mean, that's why diagnoses are very <laughs> risky, you know. Oh, you are this. Oh, okay, now I'm this, you know. And people talk about it with, uh, you know, saying I'm an alcoholic. People are like, I don't want to say I'm an alcoholic. And I can, I can respect that. I mean, I, I say I'm an alcoholic, not because that doesn't feel burdensome to me. It's a reminder to me, you know. But, but those, any kind of label like that can become, uh, it actually separates you from the experience itself and then becomes a story and all that burden that I just described. Okay, now people want to ask questions, huh? Okay, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm just such a... Me, me, me. Yes. Yeah, I sometimes have this uh, sensation that sometimes I go into grief and I figure it's a message I have to pay attention to and listen to, and I've come to look at it differently, that it's more like a wind that goes through. Yes. And it, it, it's not really calling my attention, it's just something that's familiar and I don't have to look deeper into it or sink into it, but just kind of let it move through. Is that yeah. sort of what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I was uh, working in, at, uh, in Mexico uh, teaching on a, a kind of blended retreat with uh, somebody who did the Four Agreements, the Toltec stuff. And, and one of the teachers on that retreat said, emotions are just life moving through you. Wow, I put that one up on my wall for a while. That was really good. You know, it's the same kind of thing, yeah. Yes? Yeah, I just um, find myself wanting to share this because I think it's important. Um, So there is a way in which, well, I'll just say that I'm uh, going through or processing trauma. And trauma is very much something that happens in the body emotional trauma, physical trauma, and I think that there are ways in which, um, in my experience of Buddhism, which has been a long time, it can, um, by being with something that is, like, too much, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a good thing. I find myself wanting to just share that, and how I've been learning how to resource other parts of my body so that I'm not just in the trauma, and re-traumatizing myself by going too much into it. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that because it, it is a tendency and it's sort of the, it kind of goes along with uh, something that often happens when I'm teaching in terms of kind of focusing on, okay, keep looking at things and, and we need, we're exploring these difficult things and then uh, not just focusing on trauma, but just, you know, inventory and all the things that kind of can get heavy about recovery. And that, that um, or just paying attention to pain in the body, 
for instance, where it's, you know, the suggestion is like, be, be aware of the sensation, you know, but not forever, you know. Sometimes we have to really see when it's wise to say, okay, that's not helpful right now, I need to shift my attention. And, and part of the tool, one of the tools we're learning in meditation is to be able to intentionally move our attention, place it in different places when, when where it is isn't helpful. I mean, you know, like, I don't need to pick up the newspaper and look at the dead bodies every day kind of thing, I and mean, just as an extreme example. But uh, so the thing is, we have to be really careful, right, uh, that, that we're not uh, suppressing or trying to escape from something like, I just don't want to know about it. And it's like, no, we, we have to explore, but then there's limits. And, and that kind of, uh, kind of getting an intuitive sense of how to work with that is, is a critical part of mindfulness. Uh, so it's mindfulness of effort, you know, mindfulness of when to move the attention. So and this is why, for instance, you know, it's, it, giving a workshop for these therapists who have all probably read something by some other therapist who wrote a book about mindfulness and psychotherapy, you know, it really concerns me that they're going in and teaching their patients mindfulness meditation or just mindfulness in general because it's really nuanced, you know? It's not so simple. It's not just, oh, pay attention to your breath, and then, you know, when your mind wants to come back, okay, good, you got it. We'll see you later. See you next week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just what you're saying, you know, there, there's a lot of places that, you know, uh, particularly for people who trauma or addiction or just, uh, you know, humans, <laughs> uh, things can open up. Things can, you know, play, and... and uh, and we really need to take care with it and and um, and understand uh, that it's not um, just like a black and white, this is how you do it. It's not a number system. Just do that, 154, and then you're done. It's, it's subtle and complex and really takes some time and, and care. And uh, it's really wise to do it under the care of someone who has a lot of experience with it. You know, that's, I mean, Spirit Rock doesn't just let you come up here and start teaching meditation unless you've been through quite a bit of practice, I dare say. And there's still some things that they don't let me do. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on that. I was just kind of thinking about when I'm, my mind is, sort of trying to figure a problem out, a difficult emotion, whether I'm sitting or just in my life. I've just been kind of, was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, it, it really doesn't seem very useful to me to try and continue to figure, to figure it out. What am I figuring out, first of all, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like I'm trying to kind of, you know, get the answer to my painful, you know, emotion or difficulty. Yeah. And it's sort of just, you know, doing that in meditation, is, I, I just don't do it. Just There's no point for me. And so I just was sort of thinking about that, though. You know, in my daily life, it seems like trying to work out my inner difficult, painful problems are 
I don't know. It's like that's meditation too. It's like, okay, hold on. You know, mm-hmm. I've got to be able to accept all of my painful circumstances, which are the hard parts. It's easy to accept the happy, fun, joyful parts, but you know, and those need work too. But they're not. It's a different kind of work. Yeah. And so, but it feels like those painful places. It, I, I can get stuck sometimes trying to, you know, think that I can control and figure out, you know, control those issues by figuring them out. Yeah, right, right. I mean, that's what, our minds are pretty arrogant, you know. They think that they're, like, really smart and that they can control things. And uh, so, yeah, and and because we don't like feeling bad, so our mind says, well, I can, I'll think my way out of this. Same thing as trying to think your way out of your alcoholism. I guess I was sort of also thinking, like, at what point, you know, in, inwardly do I just go, okay, hold on, I'm doing that thing yeah. I do. You know, it's hard to know, to get that mindfulness to interject. Yeah, I mean, the, the point when I try to, that I st- try to stop that analytical process is when I start to feel the discomfort in my body that's coming along with it, with the frustration that it's, this is, I'm I'm kind of like banging my head against Then that's like, oh, right. Okay. I can't solve this right now. Because sometimes, you know, you think through something and some clarity comes and there is a kind of relief. And it's like, okay, good. But other times, like you say, you're just kind of like on a treadmill with it. And you just, when you find yourself like, I'm not going to figure this out. When I, I usually get that cue from my body. You know, is there something, you know, some churning in my belly or my chest or something just energetically? It's like, ugh, okay, I'm not, you know, that's the cue for me. Somebody mentioned being disassociated tonight, and, yeah. that, and that happens, you know, it's like, no, I don't want to deal with the body, I want to figure this out, you know, it yeah. just sort of shuts it, shuts the the coming inward to what are the sensations type of feeling down, and then you're not able to access, you know what I mean? I yeah. don't know if that's a male thing or a human thing, because it's, I don't know, I mean, I could generalize and say maybe men have that, whatever, I don't yeah, know maybe. that, but, you know. Well, I, and, and I think this also is a problem for addicts, again, because we, you know, when you're, and pumping massive amounts of chemicals into your body to alter your consciousness, you can't be very mindful of your body, you know, because you'd stop, you know what I mean? Be like, ah. I mean, I can remember, I was talking about this the other day, about what, uh, there was one point when I stopped drinking for about six months, uh, I continued to smoke pot every day, so I, I was, you know, not in recovery. But, the first time that I had a drink at the end of that time I was in a bar listening to a band. I guess I, my band had broken up or something because I rarely was in bars listening to other bands. I was usually the band. And, I'm st- and, and I was like, you know, you're in a bar. You're like, okay, I don't know anybody here. I like can listen to the band. I better have a beer. I drank the beer and I felt like I'd been poisoned. You know, I felt the discomfort of it. And of course, like a good alcoholic, I knew what the solution to that was. <laughs> Have another one. And then you don't feel it, right? Because so our bodies are really getting numbed and shut down through intoxication. So then when we come out of that, 
we're not really prepared to have a body. And just as you mentioned, some, uh, plenty of people, of addicts, have had some trauma, either physical trauma or sexual trauma, that makes them not want to be there in their bodies anyway. So like you say, dissociation, it's like, it's, it's, it's a minefield. I don't know how we even got here. Uh, I think maybe we should all go out and drink right now. <laughs> this is too hard. Or maybe maybe we should pay it, maybe we should watch some Marx Brothers. You know, I think that's something that would be good. I, I, it's like we're a bunch of children, though, at that yeah. level of yeah. how conscious we, you know, many of us are addicts, yeah. especially. Yeah. Like, how do we, you know, how do we get down the road in our cars? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let, let's take a little break, and we'll I, we'll ring a bell to come back and. Uh, Thank you for the nice conversation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.